You're listening to the Full and Thriving Podcast, a place where courageous women come to break free from food obsession, heal their relationship with their body, and strive to live a life that's present, lighthearted, and meaningful. If you're listening, my wish is that this podcast serves as a catalyst that inspires you to nourish your body, nurture your mind, and energize your spirit. I'm your host, Meg McCabe, a certified life coach and eating disorder recovery coach with a PhD in having a good time. Just kidding about that last part. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Full and Thriving podcast. Today's guest is the lovely Kate Noel. She is a model, actress, podcaster, YouTuber, and overall influencer. I also consider her to be one of my good friends. And today we're going to be talking about how to let go of your inner perfectionist. And I think this is the perfect topic for my audience because I think almost all of my clients claim to be a perfectionist in one way or the other. And while you're listening to this episode, I just want you to take in the wisdom that Kate has to offer, take in her advice, and really use this advice to challenge your own mindset and behaviors and question that inner perfectionist within you. And I don't want you to think that perfectionism is always bad. Perfectionism is totally useful in certain situations, like if you're applying yourself to a project that you're passionate about and you want to strive for your best. Um, But I think that's how you should be thinking about it. Instead of setting that standard of perfection, set the standard of putting out your best work and your best foot forward and having a little sense of flexibility in that way. So without further ado, please welcome Kate Noel to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Full and Thriving podcast. I am so excited for this episode today because I have one of my favorite people in the world on the show. She is a remarkable eating disorder recovery warrior. She has an amazing YouTube channel and she is an Instagram influencer. And this is the wonderful Kate Noel. (laughs) Kate, thank you so much for being on the show today. Welcome. Thank you. That was such a lovely intro. I feel so (laughs) special. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, you are special and I'm just so excited to have you here today. I'm so excited. I'm so happy that you finally started your podcast. (laughs) You were talking with me about it for a little bit and I was like, you gotta do it. So I'm so honored to be on it and I really appreciate you for asking me. Oh, of course. I wouldn't have it any other way. And yes, the podcast was something on my mind forever. (laughs) So it feels so good to have it out there and just to have people listening. But anyway, today, everybody, Kate and I have planned a little bit of a topic for us to talk about. And that topic is perfectionism and how to let go of your inner perfectionist. And I think Kate is the perfect person to kind of guide us on this conversation because of how vulnerable she is in the YouTube space and the Instagram world just with her own recovery. And I always say this to Kate, like when I was going through my recovery, I was locked down and 
quiet about it and secretive. And I really didn't start talking about my experience until maybe six, seven, eight years after the fact. And Kate is there every single day sharing with us boldly, you know, what she's going through. And I love that. So Kate, before we dive into perfectionism, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and, you know, maybe a little bit about your eating disorder and just your background in general. <sighs> okay. I'll try and keep it brief. Because <laughs> you know how it goes. So yeah, I have a YouTube channel as well as an Instagram account. And I also have a podcast now. Oh, that's fine. I mean, it's so many things. It's so many things to keep track of. So it's totally <laughs> fine. <laughs> Even I forget. I'm like, oh yeah. Um, so yeah, I basically talk about my eating disorder recovery and it started off with just like on YouTube, just casually talking about it. And then I feel like I got such a good response where it felt like I had to keep going. Like people were just resonating with me so much. It was so fast. And so many people like overnight, it felt like. So I really felt called to just continue to talk about it and document my journey. And along, like I remember starting my channel and thinking, oh, it's just going to be like recovery from now on out. It's going to be like linear and it's going to be amazing. But then obviously if you've ever done recovery, it's not like that. So I decided to be a lot more vulnerable and stop. Like I was making sit down videos that were like really planned. And I kind of just was like, you know what, I'm just going to let go and like let my audience be a part of the hard times too. Mm. So that's like a, was a shift in my channel. I feel like it was when I went to treatment, I made a video about my decision to go to treatment. And then ever since then, I kind of was like, you know what, it's not like I have it all figured out. So yeah, I mean, I had an eating disorder for over a decade. It's hard to know when it started, but I think that's pretty much what I say to people, you know, and I've been in recovery now for two and a half years. So yeah, and I, I'm an actress and a model living in LA. So I also kind of have to deal with those pressures. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much where I'm at. And I'm, I'm so happy that I'm <laughs> in, you know, on your podcast. It feels like so every time I do a video or do a podcast, like I feel so happy with my journey so far and that I got to be where I am. So yeah, I think that's a good brief. Yeah. <laughs> I think so too. I think a lot of people can relate to your story, especially those in the modeling world and those who are trying to be out there in the public eye. And I'm glad that your instinct is that you're just really happy about how far you've come. Not every day, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how perfectionism showed up in your eating disorder. Because um, I feel like that happens a lot. Like we all, a lot of us, not speaking for everyone with eating disorders, but a lot of us are kind of like little Miss Perfect going mm -hmm. into it. And we use those those characteristics and apply them to food and trying to control food and then things kind of snowball from there. So how did it show up in your eating disorder? Mm, yeah, it's my eating disorder started off like quote, and I, this is a big quote, innocently. Like it started off kind of like just little things about myself that I wanted to change or whatever. And then as my eating disorder became more, I guess, serious, 
I started to develop perfectionism, I think. Like that's when I started to get more detail oriented about little things about my body. Yeah, it just got exponentially worse. You know, like it, it, it gets worse quickly and then it gets like extremely worse, I feel like, as you go into your eating disorder. And so that's where it developed, I think, for me. And then it started off with my body, but I feel like it really quickly sort of went into other areas of my life specific to my eating disorder, like food-wise, like I was counting calories and I was trying to eat clean, quote, clean and perfectly or measuring my weight. Like it, it became sort of numerical that like mm. perfectionism sort of like I have to eat perfectly every day and then I have to weigh the perfect amount and then whatever I have to eat certain foods and then I feel like it also kind of made me OCD a little bit too um that's like the only place I feel like it didn't I don't know I feel like I could control the OCD kind of but it did kind of make me very, very clean. I was cleaning stuff all the time. So that was kind of strange and like never, ever let my room get messy and stuff like that. It's interesting because I had an eating disorder as a teen slash young adult. And I feel like for a lot of teens and young adults who struggle with perfectionism, maybe they think about their grades or like their athleticism or like their team sport, whatever it is. And for me, like my whole life revolved around my body and my food choices, like every single thing. So I didn't even care about what I feel like a lot of my friends cared about. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't care about the grades I was getting or like the time I was spending with my friends or anything. I was just so focused on my body's shape and size and the food I was eating. Mm -hmm. And did that manifest in kind of body checking constantly and measuring yourself and was it a mental obsession for you? Yeah, I definitely had like rituals, like body checking rituals that I would do like on the clock every day. And Mm -hmm. it was looking back, it's like really was like almost 100% of my time was devoted to trying to be perfect. So Yeah. yeah. I remember going through high school and breaking down how much time I spent thinking about things into a percentage. So Mm. I was like, okay, I'm spending 80% of my time thinking about food and 10% of my time thinking about grades and 10% of my time thinking about boys. Like it was like, (laughs) it was, but I remember like every day asking myself that question and being amazed how much mental space I was taking up with just food in my body and trying to achieve that perfect, ideal, thin, you know, quote, thin body. Mm. Yeah. I love that you were thinking of that. You're such a conscious (laughs) eating disorder person. I don't know what the right word is, but I always so surprised that you had (laughs) awareness that you did. I I mean, I kind of did. I feel like now I always say it's recovery 2.0 because I look back with my adult mind and bring awareness to that situation, Mm -hmm. you know, but I knew that it was off because you shouldn't be spending that much time thinking about food and it or your body and how it looks. And Mm -hmm. I think the perfectionist side, it's funny you mentioned that too, because I, my perfectionism also manifested in perfect grades. Mm. I want to, I feel so sad for my younger self sometimes because I didn't 
you know how there are some chill kids who will just walk into a quiz and they won't study for it and they'll mm -hmm. trust themselves that they know. The, I never trusted that I knew the material. So I would study for five point quizzes for like hours. Oh. Like, I just, I don't know. The perfectionism was all over for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it just depends on the person. I feel like that was yeah. not me. Though. I was yeah. like, I don't care. <laughs> well, okay. So it showed up. You had perfectionism show up throughout your eating disorder, and it's interesting mm -hmm. how it evolved into kind of a little bit of OCD with cleaning and all of that. And then mm -hmm. when you started recovery, did you find perfectionism manifest in a recovery-based direction? I think it did. I mean. I think this is normal. Maybe it's not, but I, I did feel like when I started my recovery, as I went into it, you know, and I would start making mistakes or I would like do a little mini relapse or whatever, I would not forgive myself. Like I was super perfectionist about my recovery, which I think is interesting how it just shifts into like, oh, I did a behavior and I, and I just like tore myself up about it. I had no self-compassion or forgiveness. So I think I was perfectionist, perfectionistic <laughs> I don't know, um, in my recovery for sure. I, I think it was less so. I had to dismantle the perfectionism from my eating disorder. And that kind of is recovery in itself. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I, I, I then realized about three or four months into my recovery that oh, my recovery isn't going to be perfect either. And I need to like, let go of that. It did show up in my, in my recovery, but I was, I was definitely able to move past that and, and quickly learn self-compassion and forgiveness for the recovery process. Cause that's like a really important step. Yeah. So what made you have that realization that your recovery wasn't going to be perfect? I don't know. I, I mean, I was, you know, in therapy and I did have people guiding me and I did go to treatment, which was, which was helpful. But I think it was just, you and I talk about this a lot, but recovery wisdom, it teaches you so much. It's like if you have a friggin' new brain. I, I just feel, I just felt so much more aware and intelligent in general. So I, I don't know. I think I just was able to see myself as a human being and not as this robot like I was before you know I really could see my body and see myself for who I was and I was just able to see myself as Kate more than like the version of myself I wanted to be that's so cheesy but <laughs> that's what recovery does for you so I think it was just like over time I just yeah it really does take the blinders off you mm -hmm. know like you're like oh I am a human and I do make mistakes and life is a balance of good days and bad days. And this is just mm -hmm. part of the way life is. And you kind of wake up to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> very cool. <laughs> so what do you think are some ways people can start to let go of their perfectionism? Cause I do believe that you've really nailed it with at least <laughs> after watching some of your videos like you do okay. a great job of be showing your human side so it's clear that you've learned this so mm -hmm. you know how can other people take that step towards embracing their human side <laughs> i um i wrote some stuff down because 
it's really this is like such a interesting topic that's hard to put into words so I, I i wrote some things down because i was like how can i say this yeah like i said recovery in itself it makes you kind of realize your self-worth again so that's like the first step so i think you just have to like understand your self-worth you might not you know you don't have to feel it right away you don't have to be like i'm worth it and like believe it 100 i don't think that's possible overnight but I think you have to recognize that you have self-worth issues. So like I can say to myself, you know what? I can't, maybe I can't accept myself right now, but I know that's an issue. Like I know that's, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. So I need to just at least be neutral until I can figure yeah. out how to love myself and like find my self-worth. That's a really cool thing though, what you're talking about before with shifting from this I'm a robot to, you know, maybe I have some self it, self-worth issues and I'm just going to accept that and kind of sit in that. And then once you're willing to accept that, be open to the idea of shifting that towards one day, increasing your self-worth and mm-hmm. finding love for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and also for me, obviously I was really vulnerable. So that helped me kind of in so many ways. But I think when you are like, for me, being vulnerable allowed me to see how many people in this world are struggling. Like so, so many people reach out to me. I can't even keep up and it's all the time. And so when I think about my eating disorder, I don't think about I don't compare myself. I mean, I try not to compare myself to anyone, but like I can remember that I'm not alone because so many people are reaching out to me. And I think you can feel really alone when you don't surround yourself with like recovery in general in your life. Mm-hmm. So that helped me a lot too. Um, so that is kind of surrounding yourself with people who are also in recovery? Mm-hmm. Or just like recovery, if you can't do that then, which is actually really easy to do nowadays with the internet. But if you can't do that or you don't want to do that, then you can at least surround yourself by like having a recovery podcast that you listen to, which if you're listening mm-hmm. to this, then you've already done that. But, you know, having some sort of like recovery material, you know, in your life some way. I completely so. agree with that. I think you need to embrace all the resources that you have. And that helps your brain soften a little bit. and warm up to the idea of embracing your imperfection and starting recovery instead of denying the fact that you have a problem, you know, surrounding Mm -hmm. yourself with that information is so valuable. Yeah, totally. And I also want to say this because I think this is like really radical, but it's not actually that radical if you think about it. Perfectionism is like a concept, like literally nothing is perfect. Maybe if you, you know, are religious, there's like perfectionism in that, but like nothing on this earth, nobody, nothing is perfect. So if you're striving to be perfect, then you have to know that you're never going to get there. You're never, ever going to get there. So you're either going to spend your whole life trying to get somewhere that you literally cannot get to, or you're going to be present, enjoy your life and not try and be perfect. And I was listening, somebody said this to me, and I don't remember who because that's my brain right now, (laughs) but somebody was like, like people have the awareness that perfectionism isn't real in two different ways. In one way, it's if they succeed at what they're doing, 
and the other ways that they fail at what they're doing. So like no matter if you get there or not, like your ideal body type, if you get there, you're yeah. still not going to be happy. You know what I mean? Like, or yeah. you're not going to be there. So I just, I don't know if that made sense, but I, I did want to love that. That concept is something so worth emphasizing, especially on this episode, because perfectionism is kind of a construct. It's not real. It's so, it's this thing we're told to strive for that we'll never get to. It's a lose-lose situation. Mm -hmm. And it's true. Even with people in diet culture who are obsessed with weight loss, they tell themselves, I will finally be happy when I lose this number of pounds or I get this job or if I lose this amount of weight, this person will fall in love with me. You know, they think mm -hmm. that this is going to be their ticket to a better life. And then when they finally do lose the weight and get there, they're still miserable, still unhappy. So I think you're totally correct in emphasizing that point. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense. And I hope people listening to this can really reckon with the concept of perfectionism and real and ask those difficult questions like will I actually be happy and when I was at my thinnest was I really happy mm -hmm. and those sorts of questions that you can get curious about mm -hmm. yeah so do you have any more quite um any more points yeah. on your tips list yeah I think that um, there's two more things I have written down, but one of them is learning to appreciate all forms of like beauty and body types because for a while I was very judgmental towards myself and others if they didn't fit the idea of what I thought was perfect. So I now really love and appreciate all body types. And I think there's kind of this weird thing right now in like the body positive movement where people can really easily shame like thin people or athletic people, whatever it is, none of that is okay. You know, shaming anyone for their body size is not okay. So I just think learning to appreciate that there is going to be every body type you've ever seen and more under the sun at all times. And then, and they're all beautiful and unique, and that's that's really cool. And then, you, when you can accept yourself, you can accept other people, and it'll make you a better person. So, that's one point I want to mention. And then the other point is easy. I just think letting go of the word perfect or imperfect entirely is like oh. totally. Fun. What can people do to start appreciating diverse body types? Um, I don't know. I mean, for for me. This is like a practice I always have done. Like maybe not always. <laughs> not this specifically. But I, for a long, this is like me being for like really real. I mean, I'm trying to always be real, but this is embarrassing. But I feel like for a long time when I would, I would judge people really hard. And that was something that I think was a part of my eating disorder because it just was. I remember being like, like, I remember praying about it for a long time and just being like, why am I so judgmental? Like, why do I have these judgments towards other people that are so harsh and mean? And it just like made me feel sick to my stomach all the time. So every time I would think about somebody and I could consciously recognize it, I would be like, literally like put my phone down if it was on my phone or I would just like go in another room and I would literally just tell myself, maybe even out loud, like you are not in a place to judge other people. And this person 
does not deserve this. And I don't know. I just feel like I had to really like stop myself in the process. Mm. Just Mm. having that awareness. I mean, if you can have awareness of when you're judging people, I think that's even a step ahead of a lot of people. Yeah. I feel like disrupting that thought pattern is so valuable and like recognizing that you are being judgmental. I mean, I did the same thing. I was such a harsh critic. I remember saying mean things kind of mean things to my friends, kind of mean things to my sister. I have an identical twin. And I remember Mm -hmm. if she gained any weight or if I gained any weight, we would comment on it to each other Mm -hmm. and judge each Mm -hmm. other for it. It's so sad. It makes me really sad. Like I want to cry when I think about the the way we were to each other in those times. And, you know, now I agree. There's some sort of Um, transformation that happens when you go through recovery and you you see that people need to let go of that standard and I think when you let go of your own standard it's easier to let go of other people's like why would I have standards for other people or myself like this is ridiculous I you know one thing that I'll have some of my clients do is when they're people watching I don't know if you've ever done that I'm a big fan of people watching in public (laughs) especially uh, like New York City the subway is a great place to do this but just pick someone anybody on the subway or wherever you are pick one person and just start showering them with compliments Mm -hmm. in your head I love that it's the most uplifting thing you could do. It puts you in a good mood it it's like sending love and positive energy to that person And also to yourself, because you're like, if I can be that loving to someone and compliment them on these things, like you start seeing things in that person you would never consciously compliment and you start understanding and having empathy for that person. Like if they have, like, for instance, an ugly pair of shoes on and (laughs) like you would like your conscious mind would judge those shoes. But Mm -hmm. if you're doing this exercise, you see those like shoes and you just think this is so sweet and adorable. And I love that they have the side of them that picked those shoes and that they, Mm -hmm. they found those to be shoes that looked good on their feet (laughs) and they helped them walk through the earth and it gets so (laughs) soft and kind and gentle. I want to do this with you. (laughs) Literally, like, with you, we could just, like, get off the subway and talk about our thoughts afterwards. (laughs) Yeah, That's what we do for fun. Yeah, and, like, same with people's body shapes and sizes. Just shower them with love and positive thoughts, and then that will hopefully trickle into your own life. Yeah, I I think that's, I I love that. And as soon as you said people watching, I thought negative thoughts. And so I love that you just like, like, I I can't even, you know, it it wasn't even in my mind to think, oh, she's going to say like, shower them with good things. I I love that. I'm totally going to do that. That would be pretty easy here in LA too. (laughs) It's really fun. And you start to see like the, you will see the technical, like quote unquote flaws on people, but your brain flips it when you're mm. only allowed to look for positive things and compliment them. It's kind of mm. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I also think with, when it comes to diverse body sizes and just exposing yourself to all different types of bodies and appreciating it, it really does come down to diversifying your social media feeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really important mm-hmm. for you. Do you find that 
you still have pressure to be perfect online? I know you have a big online presence and I wonder if this comes up for mm -hmm. you. Yeah, I do. You know, I, I was thinking about how perfectionism is still in my life today. And I think that now, you know, there's so many amazing, amazing, amazing influencers and YouTubers, Instagram influencers who are doing amazing things for the community of just like loving your body and, and self-acceptance. And, you know, some of those people are doing so much more than me in my eyes. Like they are posting in like the TikTok thing. I can't even tell you <laughs> the TikTok thing. I feel like now there's like another social media yeah. and I'm like, I can't keep up. So sometimes I feel like I'm not doing enough in that way. Like I'm not posting enough. I'm not consistent. Like I don't have a schedule, whatever. That's a whole other podcast, like setting boundaries <laughs> and whatever. But that's a way that I do feel a little bit. And I've never even, I don't even have evidence to support that that's true. You know, I really don't. I think whenever I post and it's been like a long time since I posted, people are like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy to see you. Like people are never like, oh my gosh, you didn't post for <laughs> two weeks. We are never going to follow you again. Like it's never like that. So I think it's all from my own insecurities, but I do feel that. And then on, as far as like being a model, I think I do feel like some of that on set still, mm -hmm. but it's so much less than I ever felt it. You know, it's so minimal and it's not even like perfectionism. It's more just like immense pressure that I put on myself or maybe I just like can feel in the room. Pressure yeah. how? Uh, I don't know, just pressure to like really know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like I, this is so specific, but photographers will take so many pictures of you. Most, most of them will, unless they're really specific and only shoot like one photo every 10 seconds, which is rare. <laughs> but like, usually it's like so many photos. And sometimes in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, crap, what if not one of these is good? You know, I'm like, because I take pictures on my phone or on my camera, like I'll have Rio, my husband take a picture of me. And, and I'm like, man, out of these 10, I don't really love any of them, you know? And so sometimes on set, I'm like, oh my gosh, like they're not going to be able to get any pictures. And of course they do. Like, it's so silly. Cause I know what I'm doing. You know, I have yeah. been doing this long enough. But that's yeah. So that's interesting. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And it's funny because I remember modeling. I had a very brief stint in the in the biz but yeah. I remember looking at photos after a shoot or you know the photographer is scrolling through photos on his camera and you're like I hate that one I hate that one and then like the one you think is the ugliest one is like their favorite <laughs> you know so everyone's brains work totally different too totally. all about perspective mm -hmm. uh, and it's kind of interesting and I am glad that you were able to be so honest here and let me know how it's still kind of in your life. Cause it's not something that you just are immune to once you recover, it can show up in so many forms in your life. Yeah. But the good, the good news is, is that I'm aware of it now, mm -hmm. you know, so much. And I have so much more confidence in myself because of recovery that I just feel like it's so much, it's so much more manageable. Like it, it doesn't feel like it comes from, it feels like it comes from just like my own past. It doesn't feel like it's like this present permeating thing. Yeah. That's so cool. It is, it is true. I think one of the gifts you get 
when you recover is that you have that awareness that you could bring into a situation and you know how to jump into that self-compassionate mode or that self-forgiving mode or or even that um, kind of blasé mood where you're like, whatever, like, I don't care. Like, you're not as invested in mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yeah. So that fifth point, I think it was your fifth point. Um, you said the last one. Mm-hmm. Well, that one, can you um, share with us again what that one was? Yes, I think just letting go of the word perfect and imperfect as much as you can in, in the situations when you can, I think is, is a good one. There's no reason. Maybe there is a reason. I mean, I think, especially when you're talking about yourself or other people in, in terms of their body, mm-hmm. their food choices or, you know, whatever. Like there's, there's this, oh, maybe I shouldn't do a brand drop. Maybe that's not a good idea. Do it. there is this like protein bar called the perfect bar have you ever heard of that i think i've seen it out and about it's like like refrigerated because it's like so raw and like um, (laughs) yeah and it's so weird to me because i feel like that marketing actually probably works so much like Mm -hmm. just marketing like that in general but i'm like what makes this bar perfect? There's not, you know what I mean? Like everyone's different. I don't know. That's just like a silly example, but yeah, like there's just no need for it. You're not, yeah. you're, you're, um, my idea of perfect is not the same as the person that I think is perfect. Like the person that I think is perfect, they, they have a different idea of what perfect is probably. Mm-hmm. So, and same with you, like, you know, we all have different yeah. ideas. I, I think the word perfect should be questioned all the time you know when when someone describes someone as perfect you want to ask yourself are they really perfect like where are the imperfections you know it's okay like why does this person think they need to be perfect and why does this brand try to promote perfection and what is that about and even when i use the word perfect sometimes i'll use it when i'm texting like if mm-hmm. there's a plan, like say you and I were scheduling a talk or something and I respond perf or like perfect, I kind of get upset myself because I'm like, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be perpetuating this language because it is really all about how intentional you are with the language you use. Mm-hmm. And I use it too. I probably have used it with you, honestly. I mean, I use it all the time. So I'm just trying to be more like, yeah, like a little bit more aware of of that and yeah for sure yeah well those are really helpful tips I love those I love hearing your perspective on all of this stuff and I, I really appreciate it um another question I have for you is what did you learn from being vulnerable and and real you know on your platforms versus kind of perfect like what did you learn once you stepped into that vulnerable place Oh man, it's like a blessing, such a blessing that mm-hmm. I made that transition because my whole, uh, yeah, it's just like embracing your yourself, embracing your imperfections, uh, and just being real and vulnerable is is so rewarding. In that, I have become a better friend. I have more meaning in my life. I 
feel like things and people come into my life that like align with me, like truly align with me. I feel like I work with better brands. Um, I have a better agent. I feel like I can have a better relationship with my husband and my parents and oh my gosh, everything changed, you know, everything changed when I, and it's so interesting because it's like, yes, on social media, I did make the switch. You know, if you scroll way, way, way down, which I don't recommend on my page, but like if you do, it'd take a while. You can see like I try really, I tr you tried really hard to be so perfect and tried to make myself look like I, what I thought was perfect. And then I let go of that. And people just respond so much better. You know, you can just have better relationships and I feel like it's just everything changed. Maybe that hope, hopefully that's like how it is for everyone. Cause it was a, a huge blessing. Mm -hmm. I think so too. I think opening up in a vulnerable way really does open up your life. Cause people start to see your humanness and connect with that and that does have a ripple effect in your life yeah and i love how it really seems like you were rewarded for letting go of that perfectionism yeah i was rewarded in a very tangible big way <laughs> yeah <laughs> so and yeah even if, you know and even if you're not on social media like you know maybe you are but you're not like trying to be an influencer i i think that i was also rewarded in just um having more free time and space to do things that i loved and learn about things i loved and just had more mental capacity to like like we were saying before like instead of 80 percent of my brain focusing on my food and my body i was able to take that 80 percent and like just apply it to my life and rediscover my life so even if you're not on social media, it doesn't even matter. You're still going to have the positive effects of letting go of perfectionism. Mm. Mm -hmm. Did you find that a big step in letting go of perfectionism for you was reaching out for help? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's something that a lot of my perfectionist clients always stress out about at first. They're like, I can't believe I just reached out for help. Like, this is really hard. This is too hard. You know, it's like this sudden processing where they no longer can admit, they no longer can say they have it all together because mm -hmm. they reached out and they're saying, I can't do this alone. I need more people to help. And even that process is not going to be perfect. So there's like the first step in letting go of perfectionism is when you tell somebody it's not going to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. What is your final like words of wisdom that you have just on the subject matter or to those listening in general? I, I, my hope and my wish, I guess, for people listening to this is that they, they can at least know that, that the pressure they put on themselves is, it doesn't have to be a lifelong pressure. You know, it can change now. It can change when it's up to them, right? Like it's up to the people listening. If they are like, I'm sure perfectionism, like it's up to you and you can do it. Like you can make the change in your life. And I think it's so worth it. You know, it's always worth it. And it's really, really hard and difficult to have radical acceptance and let go of perfectionism. But I think once you have it, like once you start, 
you realize that life is just a lot better and it's more worth living. So I would just encourage people who are listening to maybe just try dismantling like one perfectionist thought you have in your mind. Just trying to be more aware of it. Yeah. Well, that is just beautiful advice and beautiful advice to go with the beautiful soul. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> and I really appreciate having you on the show today. And just thank you so much for sharing your your story and your wisdom with everyone. And I'm sure people are going to really love this episode. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate you for holding the space and you really inspire so many people. And I'm just so, I'm so proud and honored to be your friend. And just, I love that we can talk about recovery so much and it's just always so inspiring. So yeah, thank you so much for having me and for having your podcast. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> well, that's it folks. I am sending out a big thank you to Kate for joining me on the show this week. And for all of you listening, I hope it got your brain moving a little bit, got you thinking about ways you can let go of your inner perfectionist and embrace your human self. And with that, I just want to say have a great week.